Corey Belmore is the best in the world at running and drinking beer at the same time. What started out as a fun video with friends has led to three years of beer mile dominance. This is an insane competition. The runner has to drink a 12 ounce beer before the start of each quarter mile, which totals three pounds of beer. And here's the kicker. If you throw up, you have to do an extra lap, which basically disqualifies you from winning the race. This year's event in Chicago was definitely not lacking any drama. In the first 50 meters of the race, Corey actually lost one of his shoes in a mad scramble. He had to finish the rest of the race with one shoe. I, just, I was pretty amped up. I was excited. And then like 50 meters into the race, I think it was one of the British guys. He was a little too close on my heel, stepped on the back of my heel. Like his spike went into my Achilles a bit, ripped down into my spike. And then like spike was underneath my heel. And it was barely staying on. And then, like, I knew it was going to fall off eventually. So I just, like, threw my foot back uh, as, fa as fast and hard as I could. And then the spike went flying. What proceeded after was nothing shy of magical. Corey Belmore was only two seconds away from beating his world record time with one shoe. Any runner will tell you just how difficult and taxing it is to run on one shoe. In fact, Corey was not able to compete in the nationals, which took place a week later due to injuries sustained in this race. Uh, and then I ran the rest of the race with one shoe, which was not fun. Like I land pretty heavy on the side of my foot and it just like shredded my foot, shredded my toe. And like, it, it just, I have so much pop from the one foot because I spiked, but then other foot just slap in the ground. So these are just some topics we talked about in this episode. We also talked about how Corey trains for this event. We talked about his Olympic aspirations and about potentially making content in the space. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Um, yeah, so in Can and here in Valencia, there used to actually, believe it or not, be a Tim Hortons in the dead center of the city. And then when I came back the second time, I learned that it closed down. It didn't survive, man. I mean, it yeah. it, it, it's crazy. Even, even when I hear about them in the States, I think it's crazy. So the fact that there was one in Valencia is like mind boggling. But, but you've laugh. traveled. You've seen, you've seen probably some weird ones. Yeah, I think... I don't know where the weirdest one I've, see, I've seen. I, I still always find, like, whenever I go to the States, I see them in Detroit, and I think it's weird. Like, I just can't wrap my hand around it. I, just, I, I, I think of it as a Canadian franchise, so. Apparently, they have them in, like, Ireland as well. I, I've heard in Dublin. I saw one in Madrid. In Madrid, it actually was in, like, the dead center. It was open. Um, the price of a Timbit um, was, like, it ends up being almost, like, a euro per Timbit. It's actually insane. You get, like, a 10-pack for 10 euros of Timbits. That's, I feel like that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> that's that, wild, right? Man, I, yeah, I definitely seen them in some international airports when I when I've traveled, but it's always been in passing. Never stopped through. Like you, you never want to see a Tim Hortons elsewhere. Like it's cool to see, but you never want to go. Like you always want to. Yeah. Experience yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely don't want to pay ten euros for ten timbits. That's actually ludicrous. That's fifteen Canadian dollars for ten timbits. That's if you told that someone in Canada, they'd probably be riots in the streets. Oh yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> they're making a killing. They're, they're making Starbucks money. They're making yeah Starbucks money. 
My man, um, you've just come back from a sensational one-footed race. Um, I want to talk about it. You've also declared that you're Serbian uh, in the in the run. That, that's a shout-out to Riverside High School. And I'm so used to just doing the service all the time, so it's uh, got to give back. Got to give back. Got to show my uh, honorary serve. Uh, Bro, if you want to pander to the serve people, like I guess this is the place to do it. Like I'm, I'm killing with these uh, random Serbian people watching the pod. So That's if you amazing. change your last name to Corey Belmorovic for a Morovic. bit, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> How was that run? How did that feel? I, like it, it was a weird one, right? Yeah, the, I mean the run, uh, fitness wise, going into it felt unbelievable. Felt great. Was ready to like smashed even even right before i remember like talking to some of the guys my family was there i was, I was like i just i was pretty amped up i was excited and then like 50 meters into the race i think it was one of the british guys he was a little too close on my heel stepped on the back of my heel like his spike went into my achilles a bit ripped down into my spike and then like spike was underneath my heel and it was barely staying on and then like i knew it was gonna fall off eventually so i just like threw my foot back uh, as, fa- as fast and hard as I could, and then the spike went flying. Uh, and then I ran the rest of the race with one shoe, which was not fun. Like, I land pretty heavy on the side of my foot, and it just, like, shredded my foot, shredded my toe, and, like, it, it just – I have so much pop from the one foot because I spike, but then other foot just slap in the ground, so. And you yeah. were still almost – close to your time with two shoes is that is that insane would that even be like possible in like a real uh i don't know olympic type run situation has anyone done that kind of thing like i'm sure i'm sure it's happened i mean most of the time it happens at the end of races though that i've seen i've never really like seen someone's shoe fall off right at the start so um yeah it certainly impacts like your biomechanics it messes with your pop of, of your stride like it doesn't feel great at all. And the, the track surfaces, the harder the track, the faster it is. The track we ran on, it was very hard. Um, so it's like, I mean, it's not as hard as concrete, obviously. Uh, yeah. But still, it's going to shred your foot up. It's going to bruise the hell out of it. It's, it's not going to feel great. Oh, I wonder if there was anyone else that like still can maintain close to their like uh, record pace, mind you, record pace while with one shoe from the get-go like that seems like it's a specifically unique scenario that happens so rarely probably yeah i think i think the biggest thing that helped me was like as soon as that spike fell off like i think the adrenaline and like how pissed off i was just like threw me through the first lap like my first lap was i think like uh like a 54 55 second 400 uh and then the chug on top i I came through in a minute anyway the first lap that's with the chug with the 400 so mental yeah just just numbers oh yeah exactly exactly so uh also if you hear my dog going crazy i apologize Uh, it's all good this is a dog friendly podcast this is not the first and it won't be the last (laughs) we've had dogs on the show that's hilarious so yeah, you, you go off to this fucking place for what you probably thought you were going to break the record again. I know how driven you are. I know how you've talked before about, you know, wanting to break your record and you did it before, but you were disqualified because there was too much beer in, um, in the final count or whatever you want to call it. So yeah. did you have ambitions of, obviously you did, but talk to me about, talk to me about the ambitions and what you wanted to do at this race. Yeah. Uh, wanted to go like under 425 for sure like that that one time where tsn did, did the documentary like i want to gun that race and like 
I, I, I definitely rushed my beers too much. So I had some leftover, got disqualified. Uh, and it sucked because they were there foaming and they'd done a bunch of foaming before. So this one, I was like, all right, I'm going to keep it clean. We're going to like go at least 424, see what happens. Um, I think that would have happened certainly, but like, I was like also very cautious. Once my shoe fell off, I just wanted to get through the race, run fast, obviously, but like I didn't want to rush my beers too much. And like every time I came through, I kept hearing like some of the officials are like, your beers are clean. You're, they're clean. You can go faster. Cause I was just, I always try and make sure I never want to get DQ'd again. So I make sure like that extra tilt gets all the foam and then like I'm good to go after that. Um, so this one like took the beers a little more cautiously than I probably could have. Um, so I probably could have shaved like another. I probably could have been close to that record there, but the goal originally was like 420 low or, or under 425 for sure. Under 420. So you were what, 420, 430 this time, but your record is 428? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think the fastest it can ever get. And I said in the interview after, I think like on the ideal day, perfect beers, perfect race, uh, I think it could go like 420 or just under. Um, but that's like the pinnacle. I don't, I don't think it could go any faster than that. I wonder. We always say this about any sport, right? We say there's a limit of how much a human can do, and then sometimes a random star from the universe lands on this earth and they break <laughs> them some sort of ridiculous record. It's that's the fun part about sports. And we're I mean, we're talking about the beer mile, but it's actually like that to me that's just, that's exciting. Like that's awesome. I want to see it happen. So like what's your next chance to do this again okay why don't you just do this like on your own like why don't you go outside and do this oh, you know you can it's, it's not the it's, same it's it, yeah i mean i'll never like when i first did it for the first time before i did these competitions it was like you had to send a video in and then they qualified like it was a lot more bootleg like underground now it's like they have these competitions i'm not doing a beer mod ever outside of a competition <laughs> in a time trial i'm like i'm gonna race it i'm gonna have people around like it's gonna that'll get me through it doing it on my own with like a buddy timing or, or a friend like watching not 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 too appealing you're not doing the milk mile as i suggested last time we talked the, the chocolate milk mile <laughs> yeah that, I, I mean if there i mean if there's money if there's travel if there's something involved i'm, I'm game listen man okay this is a big thing i want to talk to you about this is a big talking point for today um there is money there is an audience it's just it's not as visible as it might appear like yeah is there how strange of a question is this, by the way? Is there a group of people that are going to watch me drink chocolate milk and run a mile? Any normal person, like, that's not in this game would probably say no. Mm-hmm. But, like, I know there's some fucking freaks out there. And I am one of those freaks as well. I would watch it. And as long as you have an audience and a viewership, you can find a way to monetize it. So, like, the question is, am I entertaining? Can I create something that's interesting you can literally make like a knitting channel, dude. Mm-hmm. And it could slap. Like if there's a, if you're good, if you're like a, I don't know, if you're a granny that has really good storytelling ability, like I'll, I'll watch that. And so sure. it's not really about like, is there money? There is money to it, but you do have to create that. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, like even when you think, so this, this beer model, they, they put, they dumped a bunch of money into the production of it. Uh, like the drone shots, all the like. Celebrity have- guests. Yeah, celebrity guest. Yeah. He, uh, they had like a, a documentary crew that that's going to be coming out with a documentary on no it. No way, dope. So they 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 invested quite a bit of time and money into it, and like the the reel that we posted, uh, I think it was like a couple three weeks ago, maybe two weeks, two and a bit weeks ago, it, it hit like just under twelve million views. Um, so there's 12 certainly million. 
Yeah, so there's certainly Send an audience. some of thing. those people over, my man. Crazy. 12 mil, what the? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Even, even that, I think that one uh, where you were talking about the beer model. And, and yeah, like, me and you. Yeah, when I put that one with you. I was over like 60, 70K or some shit. I don't even know. Yeah, so like. I'm going to make mean, another one, by the way, if for anyone. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see like, there's so many people that have never heard about it and like, it's, it's interesting to the average person. Like you run the, the, the mile in gym class, you know what a decent time is. Um, and most people know how hard it is to chug, whether it's water, beer, anything carbonated like that. It's, it's, it's not easy to do, especially if you're at a breast. So you can compare the two and like you can wrap your head around it, but to put them together, it's, it's very interesting and like unique and, and it's, uh, it's stupid and crazy, but like that's what, that's what keeps people watching and come back. That's fun though. Like I think you have people that run marathons and triathlons. All those people to some extent will be interested in this. Maybe there's a few absolute purists that are going to be like, no, you should be running and drinking beer, 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 beer. But like 99% of people are like, holy shit, these guys are what? Say that again. And they're going to watch some videos. Um, I remember me and you talking about this like two years ago at this point. And I was like, if you just made like a series of these things, I know like you don't want to. And I know that's like not really your, your thing, but I guarantee you, like, I would put any amount of money that it would slap. Even if it's, like, short-form clips where it's like, all right, today I'm trying, like, the 100-meter fucking chocolate milk chuck. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, like, it's just, like, how how do you want to make money? How do you want to be known? Yeah. Uh, how True. far do you want to go with that, right? True. But but, but there's, there's, there's something there. Like, if it, it's about finding the formula, like you were saying, like, like, like a knitting channel, for example, how you storytell it, how you market it, how, how you present it. There, there's something for everyone. So uh, I think this caters to a lot of different people. You, it's like it caters to the runners. It caters to the party goers. It, it parties to people in between. So there's a, there's a huge market, huge audience for those kind of people. I'm thinking, all right, hear me out here. Not to go full Shark Tank on you here, but we pitched this to Barstool Sports. And we make this like an eight-part series of you testing yourself in various one minute mile challenges i would love to see okay obviously i'd love to see a chocolate milk that's a personal favorite i'd love to see a sushi mile if that's possible <laughs> um <laughs> sushi taco a ramen noodle <laughs> no i'm kidding i don't know but point being like you can come up with creative like as when you start with this like stuff you you can come up with a bunch of creative ideas to to make it engaging and fun and then you could add friends into it you can bring your group and then they bring another element to it like the banter and all that like i don't know to me this I remember, is, uh, yeah during uh during christmas time a lot of like high school kids will do the the eggnog mile so yes that's where you told me about that as well and i'm it's like film that white white puke like it comes out right away uh absolutely disgusting but (laughs) like man even when you go to these competitions like the fans there when they first get there they're like and they've never been never never seen a beer mile they're like they're not expecting puke or they don't really know how to like like watch it or, or or see that happen but then eventually as you see more and more it's like it's it's like comical and hilarious to see someone like they're running after they chug a beer and then literally they can't keep it down. It's just projectile vomit everywhere. Uh, it's yeah, it's electric. Know. It's the word you're looking for is it's electric. It's entertainment at its finest. Yeah. You, you can't take, even if you find it disgusting, you can't take your eyes off. It. That's you, it. It's a train. Yeah. It's a train wreck. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, crazy event for sure. You've never thrown up during a beer mile. Never What's thrown the up. Secret sauce there. What's this formula? 
Are you allowed to disclose? <laughs> Are you taking yep. some? <laughs> no PDs. Uh, <laughs> no, like I think I just have a strong stomach from over the years of like doing workouts after dinner. Uh, like I, I think I just have naturally a strong stomach and like thankfully during the beer mile, I keep it like treat it like a race day, uh, get the foods I need to, but don't get anything crazy that's going to mess up my stomach. I will say after the beer mile uh, this year, I, uh, I had a little bit of an upset stomach afterwards, but I mean, as long as you do it afterwards and not during, you're good to go. Father time, baby. Undefeated <laughs> coming for all, <laughs> all of us. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people you'll see, they'll have like two good races in a row. The next race, they, they puke during it and they can't really explain why. So the stomach is like, it's unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. And you said you don't practice or you don't do this uh, beforehand. So you just practice obviously running, but you don't practice the beer part of this ever. Not, not at all. Like, I mean, the day before most people will do like, they'll do a, a beer, like two, two beer, two hundreds or beer, 400 or something like that. Just to like get their stomach used to like the drinking running, the running and having beer. Yeah. But like, I, do, I go in dry, like I go in raw. I, I try, try to uh, just pray to the stomach gods that my stomach's gonna be all right, and like it, it's been, it's been working so far. Max Holloway, baby, no sparring needed, dude. He's got no, the, no, at this no. point in the game. He just comes in, he's ready to go. He knows how to fucking box. He doesn't need to spar. That's right. Yeah, you, 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 you just like you do what you got to do. So like, I get in the best run shape I get. Uh, obviously, I do a couple like water chugs or maybe like non-alcoholic chugs or or like a beer chug or two, but. Uh, for the most part, just get it as fit as I can and and then I'm good to go. That's really fascinating because I think the second guy still finished like 20 seconds before uh, after you or is it 30? I don't know. It was, it was a substantial amount. Let's just say that. So mm-hmm. is your biggest, without disrespecting the actual competitors, is your biggest fear though is the throwing up part or something else going wrong? Do you feel like you can beat anyone in the run part? Yeah, I, I would say like, runability is confident even if someone like came up ahead of me i'm confident i could sit on them and and and, like key off them and like kick them down uh the drinking and like the stomach that that unpredictable aspect of it is definitely like the most nerve-wracking part of it you never really know truly how it's going to go you can you can say you have a strong stomach you can say you're going to be good on race day but then sometimes the carbonation hits different or it's sloshing a little different so uh the biggest thing is like if you get out the burps, you get that carbonation out right away. Um, you should be good for the race, but you're never like, it's it's never perfect. You never know if, if it's actually going to be uh, good towards the fourth beer. So I would When you say, get out the burps, is it like in the first like 20 meters after you chug? Yeah, within the first 100 meters, you want to be done like all, all your burps. Really? And you yeah. have no more burping till the, till the next one? No, nah, not really. Like uh, after that, I can focus and like, like control my breathing a little bit. And then like, 100 meters down the stretch if you have a burp within the 100 meter stretch coming into the chug zone like you're probably screwed because you still have built up carbonation oh, true. You're in, it's just like it's going to try and reject it so you force burps like you're basically forcing every burp you can is there a technique oh. to forcing burps yeah get as deep as you can and just so force someone it. that studied engineering in fucking university and never had a, <laughs> a party <laughs> breathe breathe as, uh, as deep as you can and like yeah if you can get deep enough, that burp will come out naturally just because the carbonation is sitting so so much in your chest. Fascinating. I'll definitely keep that in mind for volleyball today if we do <laughs> participate in some beer volleyball. Some beverages <laughs> yeah. might be had in between games. I allegedly. Allegedly, I like it. 
<laughs> Last time we also talked about the bigger picture. You were chasing the Tokyo Olympics. I, I don't know what happened with that. Maybe you can update me. What What is your next big pursuit? And what yeah, happened with that? Um, Tokyo did not happen. Uh, it was a twenty twenty one. Was injured, came back, went to Arizona for six months, lived there, um, tried a little bit type, different type of training, like was cross training with Lionel Sanders, who's a professional triathlete. Um, so I was doing heavy amount of swimming, pretty solid amount of biking, getting back into running. And I just think it was just too much, too hard all the time. And I think I was just like depleting myself. I, I was low on energy all the time. So had a rough time coming back in 2021 to try and like do anything uh, special on the track. And then took a step back, sort of tried to treat running more like a hobby again, found the love for it. Um, this year had a great year up until the beer mile where my foot got shredded, missed out on nationals, which were this past weekend or two weekends because ago. Because of the foot? Yeah. So I, I couldn't. What, what was the, yeah. What was the ongoing problem with the foot after that? It was just shredded. So I, I couldn't like, I couldn't really put a ton of pressure on it. It was bruised. Uh, yeah, I was cut up like a couple layers of skimmer off. So I couldn't really train for that, that week and a half. And then the, the doctor was like, you should probably just rest it. Like it's, it's not going to get better. You're just going to destroy it. You're not going to be able to, you're going to be compensating because you're not able to put full pressure on the outside of the foot. Um, so I decided not to go to nationals all the way to BC. And um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully next year, like can just build off this fitness and that I had got this summer and see what happens. What were you running um, for? It would be the fifteen hundred, right? That you would be qualifying for. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this before. It had to be just under four minutes, like three fifty-five or something like that. To, to uh, so that's, that's that's mile time. Uh, fifteen hundred, though. Uh, so metric mile would be uh, standards three thirty-five, three thirty-four. Uh, okay. And what were you tr hitting before? And your like when you were hitting your prime three thirty-nine. So I need need to roughly uh, knock off like half or about half a second to a full second each lap um so it very doable work wise, work wise i know you can't like fully say it, it what it's going to predict but work wise like I, I was hitting times that should get me there um so it's just putting it together on race day and getting in the right race but i think it's there like the 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 fitness the speed the the power everything like that is there it's just putting it together on one day yeah, and what's the what's the workout like? I guess is it just you straight up running uh, every day on track, or are you anything else? Uh, so I'd say like eighty percent of the running is easy. It's honestly like like just easy recovery, like junk miles, uh, just time on your feet. Twenty percent of it's hard, whether it's hills, whether it's jumping on the track, uh, whether it's like hard tempo on the roads. Um, you're gonna do a lot of like variety, but I, yeah, eighty percent of it is just like long, grueling miles. Uh, and then, yeah, 20% is, like, high intensity, like, max heart rate, uh, really giving her. Then, like, usually two strength workouts a week, hitting the weight room, hitting supply metrics. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's just get, being as balanced as possible. 1500 is a weird event where it's, like, a bit of speed, a bit of endurance, a uh, lot of power. So you just got to be as sharp as possible and, like, have good mechanics, good pop. Are you still running on concrete as well? Yeah, running on concrete a decent amount just because, I mean, unfortunately, we have too much concrete around us so it's like you can't really avoid it um but as long as you ease into like concrete running your body does adapt it gets used to it and if you're in decent shoes shouldn't have a problem it's just like a lot of people have not the greatest mechanics not the greatest right. shoes and they're just they're trying to do too much too soon and just they get injured from it 
I've retired from the concrete running game. I'll announce it here on this podcast officially oh, for those at it, home. It, I know, devastating news. It, it, it can beat you up, though, for sure. So it, uh, trails are, are the safer option. I don't have good running mechanics because I r- learn running from football, basketball, tennis. I have good lateral side-to-side stuff like that, but running mechanics are non-existent. Mm-hmm. And then combine that with uh, lately I've been starting to do um, jiu-jitsu twice a week, and that's already – extremely taxing on the body so in between days it's pool mm-hmm. it's yoga it's a little bit of pilates it's it's just like core and flexibility and everything mm-hmm. else is or like beach volleyball like on the sand like that's not bad at all I'll, I'll gladly run on the sand but i'm definitely i gotta announce it on the podcast i'm stepping away from the concrete running game and, and i stopped playing footy i stopped playing football because football is extremely dangerous on your ankles and yeah, man. I mean, my, my, one of my good buddies, he, uh, he was playing football, like indoor soccer. He was buying outdoor cleats, uh, indoors and he oh, went to go no. like, chase after ball, planted his foot, his body was still moving. His foot was planted. So it just put so much force in his leg and it was just a clean break. Um, oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, soccer, it's just, it's a, it, it, yeah, it's a dangerous game as you get older. Cause you just never know how your body's gonna gonna react to certain like plant and moves. Um, yeah, and uh, on top of on the topic of getting older, I do feel as if I am getting. I feel in fantastic shape, but I do start feeling those nagging problems and like football. I do love football. Football is one of my biggest passions. But this is the one. This is now the upside of me having twenty different hobbies. Where in the past was like, oh, you can only, you know, if you get good at one thing, you can make money out of it. It's like, okay, but like, what happens if you can't do that one thing? You're kind of going to kill yourself out of sadness. So I have all these other things. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I lost football. I still have like six other activities. I'll be all right. Yeah, it's good. I I think that's, that's the way to do it. Like it's, I mean, it keeps your body guessing first and foremost, but like keeps it, keeps it fun. And, and, and like the more you you can do, the more you can like have fun with. That's, are you doing any other sports for fun? You doing any volleyball? Uh, swim a lot. I played volleyball like a week and a half ago. Uh, just some beach volleyball with some buddies. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'll, I'll swim, I'll bike, uh, go for a lot of walks with the dog and stuff like that. Uh, I'll, I'll play ball every so often. You will ball? Uh, you balling? I didn't know that. Not very. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not, not great, but. Uh, Why don't you try out for the good. high school team when? When it was like height, you could have yeah, gone I mean, to with us for the first time in like sixty years. You just would have been dope, but I was I was, I was too busy uh, drowning in the pool. Unfortunately, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you guys are animals in the six a.m. swims with Lonky. Yeah, man, that was crazy. Like it was, it was we practiced a lot, like more than more than some uh, club programs, more than some varsity programs. It was, it was heavy. A big thing in, in those high school sports is like the physical side of it. So if like you're already coming in like fit and you have some talent, you can like compensate. Like I've seen dudes like on sheer, sheer animal-esque physique and fitness and conditioning work their way into a team. And obviously you can see like certain areas you can't make up for. You need talent to be good at a, one of these random sports. But at that level, you can be good enough with a good physique to, to have a spot at least. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's genetic components to everything, obviously, but I think some of the endurance sports, you, you can build your engine a little bit more than, than like technique based sports where it's, uh, either you have the flexibility or, or you don't, or you, you either have the power to kick or you don't, you know, like there's, there's other components to sports 
those technical sports where like endurance sports, if you work at it, you can sort of build that engine a little bit more. For those sports, you need to start in an early, for like the tennis, basketball, you need to start at an earlier age. It's really hard to build in those, I don't know what they're called, like ha- habits. I don't mean, the habits not even the right word, but like the right fundamental. technique, fundamentals, yeah. fundamentals. Fundamental skills, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, You're also doing yoga, right? Yeah, hot yoga. Uh, Hell yeah. Tell me you, about you, that. How was that? It's awesome, man. It's, cha- <laughs> it's, it's always a good challenge. Like you always, you always take yeah. something like new from the practice and like, I, I, it's a form of meditation too at the same time. So just like an hour space where you can get a good workout, get a good sweat, but also like clear your mind and, and think about like things a, a little differently. So uh, I love it. It's awesome. Are you seeing any like similarities between yoga and swimming? Because for me, that was a big thing I noticed. Like the feeling after swimming, swimming for me, I don't know, you, you did swimming in high school, maybe it's different for you, but for, for me, swimming is always challenging. It's it's like at, at most, it's not as challenging as like the the previous day which i had a few reps in but like it still always feels same thing with hot yoga never have i been into a hot yoga class and i thought man that was a really easy one today like should get really easy on, on us yeah no it's it's true i think they both have like therapeutic feelings afterwards uh and like i, I always find like yeah yoga is, is always challenging pool even if you're getting in for like an easy swim it's still like harder than the majority of other easy things so um yeah, I think like even a yin class you go to, which is like, you think of it, it's just like long holds, long stretching holds. And like, for me, that's, that's, that's definitely challenging to hold a very uncomfortable stretch or pose for like an extended period of time. So it's, they're hard in different ways, but like, ultimately they're, they're both challenging. I find yin harder actually than the regular classes. I find yin harder than flow because flow is easier for me. Cause I'm naturally like I've movement and stuff. Like I've been doing that my whole life and I can, transition from one movement to another and i feel comfortable with that it's going to be very difficult but i feel what the yin is like these really uncomfortable three four minute poses like what is this like i didn't even know my body can feel this pain (laughs) no yeah it's i don't know if if, if it's because i'm not super super flexible i'm getting more flexible i think but like still yeah just it's just getting comfortable with being uncomfortable i think that's, that's the biggest thing you can take from it um so yeah, yoga tests you, but it, you, like I said, you can take something from every practice, every, every session. Have you tried any uh, handstands yet and stuff like that? Or I, I test, I test, I'll do like the, the one leg up, the other leg meets it, uh, and, and get it that way. I'm not, I can't hold a, a handstand yet, uh, but that's headstand? a future goal. Headstand I can do. Okay. Headstand you can do. Dude, it took me like years to even remotely think about a headstand and just like last few months i've figured it out sort figured it out in quotations like i still have some troubles but i figured out like oh my god i can do this like there's, there's muscles here that there was yeah. none before obliques a little bit of like yes. core and, and like you, you got to get your lower back if everything can st- sort of stay vertical uh and linear you're, you're good yeah um so I'm, I'm excited that you're a part of the yoga cult and yoga does feel like a bit of a cult at times because i'm sure you've been told hey come to yoga you should try hot yoga oh and yeah eventually you just you just come and then you're like fuck i guess i'm doing this forever <laughs> man I, I i'll never forget my first my first uh hot yoga session like who was the teacher uh i think it was who was it this is gonna be a, a reference only me and you know but i'm okay with that was it Misha? Was it Nena? Was it Marco? Was it uh, no, the, first was the first one was Misha. Misha, uh, yeah, That's Misha. A good, she's really good. Misha took us through our Moto Flow, and I was like underestimating it before. Didn't hydrate before. Uh, went straight in the morning, like fasted, 
And there was like a bunch of like older guys in the class, like 50 plus. And I'm like, this is not like, this is hot yoga. It's not going to be a big deal. And like, I wasn't, I was, I wasn't breathing properly. I was like holding my breath on certain poses that were challenging. Uh, and then I started getting like halfway through and I was getting lightheaded yeah. and I was starting to like panic a little bit. And then I'm starting to see black dots. Cause I'm like short, yeah. short of breath and not, not hydrated by that yoga. So I, uh, I ended up having to leave. And like, as I was walking to the change room, I was like seeing black dots. I'm like touching the walls each side and I'm going to like the men's change room. I just had to take a quick breather, get a, get a drink really quick and then come back out. But like, I was like, it, like it, it, it can be a challenge. It can be a legit like workout. And like, if you're not used to it, it can be very, very uncomfortable. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do respect to like anyone that does it and does it. And yeah. I think I also have the same thing here with a friend who, who really was disrespecting yoga in the terms of its difficulty. Cause he's like a gym bro. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, man, like, yeah, you look like you're in good shape. Let's like come to yoga one time. And he kept putting it off and he's like, nah, it's going to be too easy. Like I need a real workout. So I'm like, all right, just do a real workout and then come to yoga. Yeah. So one day he got a real workout. He went to hit the gym, hit the weights, and then he came to yoga and my man was struggling in there. He, <laughs> he was like what I imagined like a, someone stranded at sea looks like. He was drowning in that. And it was an outdoor class. It wasn't even like hot. It was just a regular outdoor yoga class. I'm like, dude, what's up? He's like, bro, I'm not flexible. I'm like, yeah, half this isn't about flexibility. It's about like core strength. It's about holding poses. And then, yeah, he, he's not come back since. Um, he's definitely bitched out. I'll call him out on the pod. I don't mind. That. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's this notion that yoga is easy. Like if it's easy, you're definitely not doing something right. Even if you're really good at yoga, it should still be hard. And you should just be adjusting to make it difficult for yourself. Yeah. Like that's that's a cool thing about it. Like like everyone's accepting of effort of how flexible or how far you can go or, or what variations you can do or can't do. Like ever, you sort of, right. you do what you can, right? If you need to take a, a second to like Absolutely. a water break, everyone's cool with that. But like you sort of, you follow along obviously as best you can. And like, eventually you won't need those breaks, but everyone's welcoming. I find, and it's, yeah, it's a quality community, but it's, it's, it's also welcoming in, in that sense. They're the nicest people on the planet. Like those mm-hmm. are really, really good, good humans. And really for the most part, like, balanced people like they're just calm and chill and they want to have a good time um all right like we're already 30 minutes in uh let me ask you a few more questions and we bounce i gotta go to the beach i gotta play volleyball sorry dude i got a bit of space. yeah no worries hey you gotta live your life you gotta live your life <laughs> but you you've got a new house what, what are you doing on the side now obviously with a little break from running what are the big plans you have for the future not just in terms of running but in terms of, of your career and stuff like that yeah, so uh, you actually caught me on break at work right now. So I work out. <laughs> Let's go. That's the Slack sound. I know a Slack yeah. sound when I hear a Slack yeah, sound. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I work for a, a company called Race Roster. They do uh, online registration and fundraising. So it's a tech company owned by ASICs, and I do inside sales for them. Um, so that's five days a week. And then on weekends, I work at the Running Factory. So I've worked there since early university. It's just a, a local shoe store uh, in the area. And then uh, I coach for St. Clair College during the fall. Uh, so that keeps me busy for a couple months there. And then big plans are just like get back my, my, my fitness and then uh, hopefully put a race in the calendar before the new year. Uh, if not, I'll do some indoor races towards like end of December, January, February. Um, but yeah. Just, in, in North America or are you going to be doing anywhere? Uh, or are you looking? It, for indoor races i've been to like ireland a few times to do some um so i think i'll do like a couple in in, in north america and the u.s just to see where i'm at and then 
hopefully go overseas and, and do some sort of circuit there. Dope. Keep me posted if you're anywhere within the vicinity. That'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, are you, you're gonna be in Spain the next little bit, uh, then, huh? Oh yeah, I'm not. Le- I'm not fucking leaving like that. <laughs> I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> All right, you gotta tell Steph on to cue that GIF right now. Yeah, it's cue the GIF, Steph. Yeah. Editor Steph, cue the GIF. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great, such a great clip. No, no, I got an apartment here for another year, and uh, after that, I hope to just find a nice Latina to settle down with. That's the dream. Obviously, nice. in- inshallah, I can't predict these things but if it happens it happens that's awesome oh man it's it's, it's got to be beautiful there i've only heard like amazing things about spain very active very active lifestyle here i haven't seen rain in like two and a half months i don't even know what rain is i i will never see snow again thank god so that's nice um activities wise there's always something to do there's always city events there's like whether it's small things like the city organizes it or there's like a party there's sometimes it gets a little too crazy. I'll be honest with you. It's even for me. I'm getting a little bit older. I need a little chill, but it's, there's always something to do, man. It's all, it's always fun. So if you ever come here, I'll show you around. I'll give you a big tour, uh, clear a few days. It's not going to be a one day. Oh, yeah. Activity. Yeah. yeah. No, no work days at all. Um, no work it's, also, days. it's also like a hotbed for, for cycling. There's a lot of like yeah. professional people come through and professional cyclists that live like within like Valencia even. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't know that much about that community. I know that Northern Spain has a lot of uh, cycling and triathletes because it's like perfect temperature all year round. Like mm-hmm. here it's, I would say it's perfect temperature uh, 11 or 10 out of the 12 months. It, it does get a little bit hot right now in July and August. There's some days which it's really hot, but it's even that is for me still doable. But in Northern Spain right now, it's like mid twenties. So they're yeah. just there from their, their temperature ranges from like, I don't know, let's say, 10 to 25 Celsius. And that's like perfect all year round training. Mm-hmm. I know uh, what's his name? Jan. Jan Ferdino. He lives up. I think uh, he lives there, right? Yeah. He lives up in the hills somewhere. Uh, like in like Northern Spain. Like I, that guy's like the goat of, of triathlons, I, I believe, or one of the goats. So yeah. Really- anyways, um, don't want to keep you too long. Get back to work. If you ever need content stuff or ideas, uh, you know, that's, you know, I love that stuff. I think, I think to me, there's so many ideas, but it's, it needs to come from someone that actually wants to do it. And then that's like, that's your goal. But, um, mm-hmm. as always a fun conversation, uh, people can follow you on IG mostly. Is that where you're? Yeah, it's, I say, that's our most active, uh, Twitter I have, but I use it occasionally. So, uh, IG is, is, is definitely the, the best way to, uh, to connect. And we can get you to announce on this podcast that you're starting a YouTube channel right now. We can get that in in verbal form no <laughs> verbal commitment uh verbal commitment. one year I mean, contract with the board with nelly podcast to expand your operating <laughs> partnership you're, you're you're the marketing uh player of the game i mean i'd like to get my beat 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 wet oh my god what am i forgot how to speak English. <laughs> beak wet i'd like to get my beak wet my god <laughs> it sounds so rough. hey words are hard sometimes my guy Dude, I'm seeing. I'm, it's on me. I'm speaking Spanish every day. If you want, we can do this podcast in Spanish now. So I, that's I'll give. That's my excuse for forgetting English. It's, bueno, bueno. Bueno. <laughs> <laughs> Dale, gracias por escuchar a mi podcast, mis amigos, y nos vemos. Adiós. Adiós.